Hello, everybody. Hello. We have got some enormous news for you. We do indeed. Uh, and that news is that At Your Peril is going to be doing its first ever live show. What's it called, Arthur? It's called At Your Peril, It's Alive! And it's going to be at the Vaults Festival in Waterloo, London in January 2022. What are the dates? Wednesday, 26th of Jan, 9.45. Thursday, 27th of Jan, 9.45. Sunday, 30th of Jan, 8.30 for the people that go to bed early. And this is going to be an absolutely fantastic show. We're going to fully realise a um, one of our episodes, and we're also going to have lots of special guests and special surprises and stuff. Yeah, and we'll be recording the night as well, so it'll be a Vault special that we actually release as part of the podcast. It's going to be a great chance to meet some of you lot, and it's going to be really fun. Get your tickets now! Yes! Uh, more information at the end of the episode, and also in the description. Enjoy the episode. Bye! <laughs> Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. All Things Coin Related Hello, my name's Nigel Whitson, and welcome to this, the very first of my new podcast series, All Things Coin Related. All Things Coin Related Uh, This being the first, uh, that makes you the guinea pigs. Don't worry, I won't eat you like they do in Peru. (laughs) Uh, We're here in my lovely little soundproof studio. Great place for a murder. (laughs) No one to hear you scream. Uh, I I jest, of course. Uh, As the name suggests, uh, this is a podcast for numismatists. Uh, If you're new here, numismatism is the study and collection of uh, interest in, etc., coins and medals and such like usually with a particular focus on the money aspect of coins. But this series isn't just for seasoned numismatists. Uh, I I hope if you're new to numismatism, you'll find this a fun half hour or so. Uh, You never know, might even get your numismatic juices flowing. Uh, I also have a long-running series for established numismatists called Numismatic Digest. Numismatic Digest! There it is. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have some great guests on there, and some of them will be joining me on here too, uh, for a more light-hearted look at the subject. Uh, This one deliberately designed to be a broader church, uh, ideal for you if this is your first dip into numismatic waters. Uh, 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 If you look at the info uh, under this podcast on your computer uh, or or mobile device, uh, uh, you should find a link for a voucher for Stanley Gibbons. Uh, That's the preeminent outlet for the sale and purchase of collectible coins and medals and such like. Although, of course, they are also known for that cheaper, uh, uh, more tawdry of pastimes, uh, stamp, uh, uh, stamp, uh, I can hardly bring myself to say it, uh, uh, stamp collecting. Uh, uh, I I, I jest, of course. In fact, my very first guest on this series is a philatelist, would you believe it? And he's with me now. It's my good friend, Philip Hardcastle. Uh, Thank you for coming on, Phil. Well, happy, happy to be here. 
a uh, little bit of a numismatic chat. Uh, and thank you for visiting me in my chamber uh, instead of dialing in, as is the way of the world these days. Uh, much better in person, I always find. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, well, I've never done anything like this before. It's, uh, it's all very profesh. Uh, now, Phil, let's dive straight in, shall we? Uh, our, our first big question. Phil's big questions. I made that myself. <laughs> do you like it? Oh, well, I do. I'm honoured. Your first big question is, uh, what's the difference between a philatelist and a stamp collector? Uh, very simply, a stamp collector collects stamps. A philatelist studies them, the history, all their aspects. Wrong! <laughs> One's a treacherous serpent and the other collects stamps. Ha! <laughs> I jest. Uh, that's a lawyer joke I uh, adapted for the purpose. Um, so, so, Phil, uh, do you identify as a philatelist or a stamp collector? Oh, I'd say a philatelist, I think. Uh, I suppose. I collect, of course, but I do, I do take it seriously. My wife might say too seriously at times. Well, they do say that philately is the highest form of stamp collecting, <laughs> uh, but it's still pretty low. Uh, I jest, of course. Uh, you mention your wife. Uh, as if to prove that numismatism and philately can coexist, uh, I believe she's a numismatist, isn't she? <laughs> uh, she is, she is, but she's very open-minded. Is she? Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, I've, I've never met her, have I, Phil? Oh, I don't think so. No, I can't have, can I? Uh, well, uh, I, I would say you can't be a proper numismatist if you're married to a philatelist, uh, but this podcast... All Things Coin Related ...is a broad church. All prejudices are left at the door. Uh, uh, and you have a daughter as well as a wife, I believe, Phil. That's right. How old is she? Must be, what, 15? Y yes. Well, she's, uh, she's exactly 15, actually. Yeah, Good guess. <laughs> she had a birthday last week. Georgie, is, is, is that right? Yes. How did you know that? Oh, well, your family is famous in numismatic circles ah. now, Phil. Uh, uh, for new listeners, we'll come on to why in a moment. Oh, dear. Is, is that so? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm, I'm cut out for fame. Uh, but she's not actually your daughter, is she, Phil? Well, uh, well no. Uh, she's my stepdaughter. But I'm a dad. The only dad she's ever known. Well, is that right? Uh, she didn't know her dad. Such a shame when that happens. It could be a shame for the father as well, of course. Though I, I couldn't possibly know the details in your case. Anyway, regular listeners to my series Numismatic Digest... Numismatic Digest! Uh, they'll know of your wife, won't they, Phil? She's actually Terry Lemaistre. She's THE Terry Lemaistre, uh, uh, the purchaser of the George III shilling uh, that was recently sold for £45,000 at Christie's. In absolutely wonderful condition. People say it was over the odds, but it was the best example known. Uh, lots of George III shillings, of course. The Dorian and Megan's is the one you want. Uh, I discussed that wonderful coin on my most recent episode. Uh, well, that's right, though. She's, she's Terry Hardcastle now. Hardcastle? Mm. Oh, she changed her name, did she? Yes, when we got married. Unusual name, Le Maestre. Very distinctive. Don't, don't see many of them. That was her husband's name before, wasn't it, Phil? Uh, yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. Her husband before you? Her first husband, Phil? Yes. But she's mostly still known as Terry Le Maestre in numismatic circles, no? Uh, I don't think so, no. No? Oh, well, doesn't matter. Keep your name, change your name. Most important thing for numismatists is that she bought that George III shilling. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, I've always wanted one. Uh, I mean, really wanted one. I'd probably kill for one. 
<laughs> I jest, of course. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're able to look it up on Google Images, uh, George the Third Schilling, uh, Dorian and Megan's. That's D O R I E N Dorian uh, and Megan's M A G E N S. Uh, stunning. Uh, bewitching piece of metalry. Very rare. Uh, she did very well to nab that, Phil. Yes, well, we'd uh, we'd been saving for years. It was a joint effort, really. Wonderful. Yeah, keep an eye on the market. We it didn't want just anyone. She wanted that one in particular. Wonderful. The condition. It was something she'd always wanted. Was it, Phil? Yeah, for years. I wonder where she got the idea. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now then, Phil, we've known each other for how long, would you say? Well, we've never actually... No, 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 before now, that's, that's right. So so how long would you say, Phil? <laughs> About uh, half an hour. Yes, that's right. My good friend Phil, who I've known for half an hour. <laughs> but we have exchanged emails before. Oh, when you invited me on, yeah. Correct. But uh, we've been listening to your podcast for years, yeah, so we feel like we know you. We being... Um, my wife and I. She's a big fan. Is that right? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, uh, now, Phil, here's your second big question. Your question is, are all philatelists thieving little pricks? I jest, of course. Uh, But let me tell you this story. You can tell me whether it's typical of the breed. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but when I was eight, I used to collect stamps. In fact, I had the best stamp collection at my primary school. I was the talk of year four. I was even friends with the beautiful Zoe Brown because of it. Uh, my best friend then was a boy called Simon Gray, uh, who lived on my road. He had the second best collection. I mean, it wasn't a patch on mine, of course. Well, you, you don't mean the Simon Gray, dear. Indeed. Uh, for listeners unfamiliar, Simon Gray is now quite a name in philately, right, Phil? Well, I should say so. He, he has the finest collection of Pacific Island stamps in the country, especially from the Age of Empire. He's a, he's a bit of a hero of mine, actually. Well, I never. Birds of a feather and all that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, of course, this is all water under the bridge now. I'm, but we knew each other at school. We used to swap stamps, do deals, buy them in bulk, uh, and share them out between us. Um, I lent him my albums one night, then a few days later, it was a normal day, a day like any other, uh, when I saw blank spaces in my album where my penny reds should have been my prized possessions. Uh, I froze, as I'm sure you can imagine, but there it was. He denied it, as he would, but, uh, well, my, 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 my standing in the school plummeted, and uh, was it a coincidence that Zoe Brown uh, shared her sandwiches with Simon instead of me uh, from then on? I think not. It wasn't just my penny reds he stole. Uh, so just a little warning for you numismatists. Uh, yes, <laughs> stamp collectors, not to be trusted. I jest, of course, but, but Phil, here's conundrum number one for you. Conundrum number one. Philip Hardcastle, should we trust stamp collectors? You know Simon's wife is Zoe Brown. Now Grey, yes, one and the same. (laughs) That's where it all started for them, back at school. Uh, I don't begrudge it, of course. Steal someone's penny reds and history turns. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful, the way life twists and turns. Uh, But you haven't answered me, Phil. Are stamp collectors to be trusted? Over the counter at Stanley Gibbons was the place where I first caught her eye. She was almost as bewitching as the George III shilling I was saving up my savings to buy. We held each other's gaze, our hands touched as I paid, 
and lingered as she whispered, I think you've given me 50 pence too much. She gave me a wink. There was the slightest chink, and there on the counter at Stanley Gibbons, the shiniest 50 pence piece. Dancing in the light of her eyes, a shiver up the back of my spine, it felt like sedition as she gave me permission. And there in my hand, a Kew Gardens special edition. Lunch break, she called, and ushered out her custom, her neck and face flushed with speckled red. No, not you. She blocked my way. The front door locked, led me back, and lay upon the counter. Numismatism. Naughty, hot and sexy on the Stanley Gibbons counter, a numismatic brief encounter with a fellow coin enthusiast, conjoining our two passions into one. Numismatism. Not an illness, but it's catching. The viscerality of coins hatching in our loins, the desperation for an outlet for our lust. One year later, we were married. The fruits of that Stanley Gibbons counter now on show. A baby daughter, our lovely little Georgie, and our coin collection growing, getting ever closer to that George the third shilling. But then, it was a normal day, a day like any other, when out of the grey she hits me with it. Darling, darling, have you ever seen a stamp like this? I froze, as I'm sure you can imagine. Have you ever seen a stamp like this? Uh, like what, dear? I tentatively asked fearing where her interest might be headed. Oh, it's one Phil sent me. Apparently it's leaded, something in the ink, so you mustn't lick, it's poisonous. I have no intention of licking it, Terry. Who's Phil? I asked, though I dreaded what she'd say. Oh, you know Phil, just a man. No, I don't know Phil. I met him at work. Did you? At the Stanley Gibbons counter. Yes, he buying what you're selling. Darling, he's sharing in your passion. No, he's a stamp collector. He's a, he's a, he, he, he's a what? Don't hector me, darling. He's a stamp collector, a philatelist. Yes, I know what it is. Thank you, darling. I understand the language. We have numismatists, lepidopterists, campanologists and arctophiles, dipterists, deltiologists, tegistologists and bibliophiles, scripophilists, coleopterists, zoologists and paedophiles. And then we have the lowest of the low, the scrape the fucking bottom of the fucking lowest barrel, philatelists. And his name is fucking Phil. Don't swear, please, darling. He's just a friend who happens to like stamps, and I happen to think they're rather interesting. A friend? You're friends with these people? Yes, dear. He's a good friend of mine, thank you. No, 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 no. You're one or other, numismatist or philatelist, and I don't intend to flatter if I say that coinage is a higher calling. I can see that plainly, so don't blame me for following my precepts to the nth degree. If you must consort with that special brand of loser, you remove your right to have and hold me, and from this day forth... The door slammed shut, and she was gone, with my baby, and half my savings, and with them any chance of my George the Third shilling. Philatelists, if you want to know, they're sad, pathetic weirdos, raping stamps with eager tongues. It's chemical fellatio, with a ratio of one to slimy cunt, of one to one. Stamp collectors, just like Simon Gray. They'll shaft you. They'll take what's rightly yours. Your females and your babies and your penny reds. They'll spread their poison and they'll shed their serpent's skin and slip away. But of course I live to fight another day. Numismatists stay true. Women come and go. 
They come on the Stanley Gibbons counter, filling you with coin-induced excitement. Then they go. The only thing that lasts is metal. So don't settle for a person. Be willing to wait. Hold out for that 1913 nickel and that George III shilling. Ah, well, uh, I guess you should trust no one, especially not if they get between you and your prize stamps. I've seen people come to blows over penny blacks. I mean, people have killed for less. For the listeners, what's a penny black, Phil? Oh, well, uh, you mentioned uh, penny reds um, Mm -hmm. when you were a child. Well, it's uh, early stamps. So the penny red was the sequel to the penny black. Lots of uh, penny reds were made, but penny blacks are much rarer. Uh, They were really the very first stamp. That was like the stamps we would think of today. It was was issued in Great Britain in 1840, and uh, I had a picture of the Queen, Queen Victoria's head, uh, though the picture was when she was the princess, side profile on a black background. It was one of the first to have a sticky back. Postage before then had Sorry, Phil. Sorry. (laughs) Not just one of the first. The first. (laughs) Sorry, it was the first. (laughs) And I'm the numismatist. (laughs) It was the first. (laughs) You're quite right, you're quite right, Nigel. (laughs) Uh, You've got to be on my toes with you. (laughs) Um, So, uh, before then, um, they had to be posted and they would be paid for on receipt, according to how far the item had travelled. But the penny black was prepaid delivery, like today's stamps. Stamped for its value, one penny, which is how much you had to pay if you had your letter delivered regardless of the distance. Uh, There were, well, many millions made, but stamps don't survive as well as coins, of course. Which is why coins are better. Which is why stamps are more precious. Well, they're not, are they, Phil? Uh, But do carry on. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, penny blacks didn't have um, perforations. They had to be cut out. Often they were cut out roughly, so there's a lot around in a bad state. But if you can find them unused and cut neatly, then you're on to a winner. You said you've seen people come to blows. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, at auctions, there was a bidding against each other, rival collectors, and one of them tried to stop the other one raising his arm to bid. It turned into a brawl and, you know, seven broken knuckles and a bloody nose. Blood on the floor. You don't get that in numismatism. No? Less hot-headed, I'd say. Uh, More calculating, Phil. There we are. First thing we've learned today. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so that's the penny black. Um... I have to be honest, say I am partial to a penny black, uh, even though it is a stamp. Um, if you're able to, while listening, do look it up. Uh, that's a piece of British history. Well, really, global history, right, Phil? Oh, that's right. It, it was the first, the template, copied all over the world. Also noteworthy, bit of British exceptionalism here, it didn't say Great Britain on it. Didn't need to. The image of Victoria was enough. With Victoria on there, you knew. Every other country's stamps, you look them up, they say the name of the country on the stamp, so there could be no mistake. So you don't use a Canadian stamp in America, for instance. Great Britain, no need. To this day, just the image of the monarch, all you need. Everybody knows. Fascinating. So interesting. Look it up, check it for yourself. If Phil says it, it must be true, uh, because he's a philatelist, uh, 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 an honourable man. Uh, So are all philatelists, all honourable men. Right. Your next big question. Phil's big question. Philip Hardcastle, what makes stamps 
stick? Ah, good question. Isn't it, Phil? <laughs> the Penny Black was the first one that had a sticky back that you had to lick. They had to do a lot of experiments to get it just right because the gum would, would make the stamps curl up. It's a mixture of potato and wheat starch and uh, resin from a pea plant, actually. It's a very clever invention. And, and the Penny Black was the first ever. You know, these days, of course, stamps have sticky backs. You peel them off a sheet and they're already to stick. Do you miss the old ones? You, you know what I do, actually. It sounds weird. Not at all, Phil. But it's just something about the action. You know, it's a ritual. It's sort of bizarre and, and unproper, as it were. You know, you, you're some well-do person in Edwardian England sitting down at your desk writing out your business letters, all, all neat and proper, and very very final thing you have to do is lick, put out your tongue and lick and rub a piece of paper on it. You know, you've got your saliva on a letter. At the other end, they're holding a bit of bit of your saliva and it's like no one ever talks about it uh, people don't talk about how everybody was sending each other their saliva it, it's also a link to history that's disappearing because you know that's how the penny black was and it stayed like that for so long you know i, I even miss the taste of it you sound like a pervert phil <laughs> no i i i i jest excellent analysis phil Time is a healer, you'll be told. The stages of grief are fivefold. But what if you're not grieving? And what if there is no wound? I saw them, my Terry and her Phil, at the park, the local market, the library, the swimming pool, the doctors and the dentist, and then again outside our home. From a distance, there they were together, him and her, a double-headed snake, having staked their claim to my daughter, my collection, and my house. For seven months I followed them, doing my best to avoid detection. I kept an eye on the collection, with a key they didn't know I had. At night time, by torchlight in the basement, having climbed in through the casement window, I would finger them, linger with them, whisper to them each in turn, make promises I meant to keep, then tuck them safely in and sit and watch them sleep. I kept a record of my visits, the time and date of the state that they'd been left in by their Philistine Phil, and took photos for the album, me and them, together again. But then it was a normal night, a night like any other, when I saw it. The catalogue, the photographs, the notes in the bottom drawer beneath the Americana, the plan that they'd been hatching for the shilling, the George III. I stood there, snatching shallow breaths, not believing. That thing was ours, mine and hers. Then I heard a scratching on the stairs. Seven seconds later, there he stood, Phil, the complete philatelist, the stamp collector, the hatcher of a plot to catch my shilling, the one I'm owed, a man who couldn't possibly understand its meaning. A lampstand in his hand, his outline ringed with light. I gripped my torch more tightly, ready for the fight. But it never came. Know this, philatelists are cowards, weak, pathetic cowards. You have the power, and if they come at you, don't walk away, don't cower, don't turn the other cheek. Our gentility's not a weakness, it's a strength. But poke too hard. The only good philatelist is a dead philatelist. Well, Phil, I've got a bit of a treat for you. Uh, it's competition time! Competition time! Uh, uh, every episode, I'm going to be doing a silly little competition that I've made up specially. 
given what you've just said, I think you'll like this one, Phil. Uh, if I win, I get the bragging rights. Uh, if you win, you get to take one coin at random from my collection. How does that sound? Oh, sounds good to me. I have to be honest, Phil, I've weighted the competition in my favour because I don't much like the idea of giving away my coins. <laughs> uh, but I think you might like this competition anyway. Uh, stamps. Ah, saliva. Well, that was a perfect segue. It wasn't scripted, but you're going to find that hard to believe because this week's competition is a stamp-sticking race. I have ten old-style second-class stamps here. One moment. Would you describe them for the listener, Phil? Uh, well, uh, they're normal, uh, second-class stamps. Blue background, young Queen Elizabeth, side profile, wearing a crown. Wearing a crown, actually, even better. <laughs> and they're the perforated ones, aren't they, Phil? Yes, perforated. Still joined at the edges. Excellent. Just so the listener gets the picture, because this is radio, Phil, you have to paint <laughs> the picture. Uh, and then I have 15 second-class stamps here. Uh, they're the same on the front as you so eloquently described, Phil. Uh, blue background, picture of Her Majesty. But uh, these are the ones that are already sticky, uh, so no licking required. So here are 10 blank envelopes for you. Put them there. Uh, wouldn't want the stamps to go to waste. So you have to tear off uh, and lick and stick your 10 old style stamps onto those 10 envelopes. Uh, I have more envelopes here. Uh, I'm going to do the same with my 15. Uh, the winner is the first to finish their stamps. It's been a while since I licked a good stamp. Pervert! <laughs> <laughs> I jest, of course. Oh, don't underestimate my proficiency at this, alright? Oh, I think I've got your measure, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Ready? Yep. Steady? That's five down. How are you doing, Phil? <laughs> Hard to talk while you're licking. Huh? <laughs> Concentrate. I want you. I want your coin. <laughs> My wife should get a kick out of watching this. Ten down. How are you doing? <laughs> mm. Come on, Phil. Uh. Done. Oh. Stop, 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 Phil. No, you cheating little <laughs> stamp collectors. Definitely not to be trusted. For the listener, I finished first. Philip here was carrying on like the cheating little stamp collector he is. <laughs> I jest. Very good. How was that, Phil? Tasty? Ah, uh, it was a close shame. Such a shame, Phil. Such a shame. Thank you for those. That's 25 stamped envelopes ready to go, uh, though I don't know when I'm going to get around to using them. Uh, uh, who writes letters these days? Uh, well, it's all in good spirits. Uh, here's a glass of water there, if, if, if you like. Um, we just... Thanks. Mm. Perfect, thank you. That's the way you catch your breath, Phil. <laughs> okay, when you're ready, uh, this is a section called Getting to Know You. Quick fire questions, one word answers, no time allowed for thinking. Uh, ready for your quick fire questions, Phil? As I'll ever be. Quick fire questions! Philip Hardcastle, what's your favourite coin? 
Oh, it's got to be the George the Third Chilling. That's your wife's. You can't choose that. Oh no, no, it's ours. Is it though, Phil? Another one. Okay, uh, the Edward the Eighth Thruppence. I don't own one, of course, but would be glad to. Favorite stamp? Oh, boring, but the penny black because you know of the significance. Most valuable in your collection. Most valuable stamp I have is the Basil Dove. Lovely thing. How much is it worth? Oh, uh, I don't. I don't like to say. Well, we can look it up. <laughs> it's about fifteen thousand pounds. And how much did you buy it for? Um, about £15,000. <laughs> Where did you get the money? What? For the dove. Well... No, I, I, I jest. I, I, I'm sorry, it's none of my business, of course. Uh, who's your favourite philatelist? Oh, well, I'm sorry, but I'd have to say Simon Gray, your old school nemesis. No, that's fine, Phil. Uh, favourite numismatist? Well, I have to say my wife. Not me. Well, she's the only numismatist that has sex with me, so... <laughs> so I sorry, that was crass. Pervert! Can you, I did say it! Uh, I you, did say it! Uh, can you, listener! <laughs> can you edit that out, please? <laughs> of course, don't worry. I'm not sure any of this will ever reach the air. So is, is there a window? I'm just a bit... There, there are no windows in here, Phil, no. Uh, we might as well be in a dungeon. <laughs> I'm a bit breathless, mate, that's all. What is it that appeals to you about stamp collecting, Phil? The history, the aesthetic, the ownership? Well, uh, my dad... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit For me, hot. with coins, numismatism, it's the ownership, you know? Having something that other people want, but they can't have, because it's mine. Um, to be part of history like that makes you significant in a way, doesn't it? Makes you a someone. Uh, most people have no idea. Uh, how long have you been collecting? Uh, since I was uh, 10, well, 30 years ago... Um I'm sorry, I'm really not. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, I've only recently started myself, uh, at least only recently as Nigel Whitson. Um, a fresh start, a new face, literally, huh? <laughs> on the numismatic scene. Um, new voices, that's what's needed. Uh, more diversity. What do you think about the lack of black people, Chinese, minorities, women uh, in numismatism? Um, well, in your world, philately, because we want to be a broad church. Uh, yeah, yeah, well... Uh Sorry, could we take a break? I just don't, I could do with a breather. Oh, we won't be much longer. Uh, I mean, it's too stuffy, isn't it? Hey, very. No, I, I mean our world. Uh, old white men coming to blows over stamps or coins or, or wives, stealing other people's lives. Yeah. You okay, Phil? Can you, can you manage a couple more minutes? Yes. We're almost done. Sure, sure. Okay, here's one. If your house were on fire and you could save only one thing, uh, what would it be? Uh, it would have to be my stamp collection. And if you couldn't get to it, how would it feel to watch your Basel dove go up in flames? <laughs> I don't... <coughs> sorry, Phil? Wow, I, re sorry, I really don't feel very well. OK, let's finish quickly, Phil. Uh, then we can get you some air. <laughs> Just time for another of Phil's Big Questions. <laughs> Phil's Big Questions! It is good, that, isn't it? Um, do you think we need new voices in our world? Yeah, I suppose, I mean... I mean, um, is Nigel Whitson good enough? Uh, does his newness serve a purpose? Or are the old voices OK? Uh, sorry, I really don't feel... <laughs> I feel terrible. Where do you store your stamps, Phil? <sighs> I mean, to preserve them. Uh, well, in a... Um, oh, sorry, in a... Um, An album? <laughs> no, in, in a box. Humidity control? Like a humidor, like a cigar box? <coughs> Phil, to preserve them? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like this one? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, exactly. What? <laughs> Is that my box? <coughs> <coughs> 
What? Don't fight it, <sighs> Phil. 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 Look at me, Phil. Don't fight it. You only make it worse. <sighs> Oh dear. For the listeners, Philip has passed out, fallen to the floor. He's lying awkwardly on his front with his weight on his neck. Important to paint the picture. Oh dear, Philip. It's almost as if licking stamps is bad for you. Especially when they've been laced with digitalis. How horrible. Gosh, your pulse rate is terribly slow. Then digitalis will do that. Better just put your hands and feet together. Safety, in case you were fit or something. This for your mouth. I don't want you to bite your tongue. There we are, that should keep you safe. Now, I think it would probably uh, be best, uh, sorry for about that, listeners, uh, I think it would probably be best if I, if I stop recording uh, for a moment uh, while I sort this out, uh, and I'll start again when Phillips recovered himself a little. Six months later, I was tried. The police had found my photos and my diary, the record of nocturnal visitations to my own fucking house. The evidence had mounted, so I counted on my barrister to paint the picture of the treachery, my house, my daughter, and my destiny, the shilling. He came at great expense, filled his notes with hence and heretofore and whence, made pretense of getting ready for the trial, and offered up the thinnest smile, said I was in denial and told me I should plead. I told him I didn't need him, that I would represent myself. My ex-wife came along to testify against me. The prosecution even brought my daughter into court and sought from her a story she was much too young to tell. I thought it had gone well, but then I heard the verdict and the sentence. Eighteen months in isolated hell. My cellmate was a madman, pulling hair out, licking walls, ranting about injustice. Much as this I knew could well be true, it doesn't do to dwell. So instead I looked ahead. The terms of my release meant that I couldn't change my name without them, Phil and Terry, being told, at least not officially. But nothing stopped me from adopting something unofficial, or from colouring my hair, growing out a beard. Good, but nowhere near enough, so I visited a surgeon, had him redesign my nose, subtle, not enough to trouble my parole, but with the other changes added up. I accessorised by colouring my eyes, contacts turning blue to an unusual greenish hue, and added glasses on a chain. Of course I changed my wardrobe, expensive looking shoes, corduroys, chequered shirts, and then I worked on physicality, mannerisms, voice. After much experimentation I discovered him. Bird-like, nervous, hesitating, quick, uh, the voice a little thin, uh, the winning combination, no single major change, but the little things add up, several years to practice, uh, then release from my parole, uh, then Nigel Whitson's debut, and I was back into the numismatic fold. Uh, revenge is best served icy cold. Ah, there we are. We're back. Uh, say hello, Philip. 
Now, Philip, I asked you earlier to describe what it might feel like to see your Basel dove go up in flames. Uh, you found it difficult to imagine, so I can make it easier for you. You spotted that, yes, indeed, this box is yours uh, from the safe in your office. And here is your Basel dove. Lovely thing. For listeners, it was the first ever tricolour stamp. Is it, that's right, isn't it, Phil? He says that's right. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell us about it, Phil? Oh, Philip's a bit indisposed. Anyway, it's a lovely thing, very rare. Uh, carries the image of a dove, uh, 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 as the name suggests. Uh, uh, so, so here it is. Uh, uh, and here's a lighter. Uh, for the listener, that's the sound of a, a lighter. Uh, 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 and here is the sound of a Basel dove burning. <laughs> and that is the sound of the owner of a Basel dove watching it go up in flames. Ha! Wonderful, wonderful. They really are delicate things, aren't they, stamp collectors? Save your energy, Phil. That can't be good for you. No one can hear you anyway. Uh, we're not live. Actually, I'm recording this one specially as a gift for your lovely wife, Terry. A special surprise. Or should I say my lovely wife, Terry? For when I visit her, for the, for the, for the ransom, uh, what do you think I'll be asking for in exchange for you? What's that? Yes, that's right. The shilling. You reckon she'll be willing? I mean, it matters not to me. Either way, I'm about to make a killing. Could you be quiet just a mo, please, Philip? Just, I need to do the outro for my listeners. Um, well, uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of All Things Coin Related. A special thank you to my special guest, Philip Hardcastle. Uh, there he is, for reaching out across the great divide, numismatism and philately, uh, never the twain shall meet. <laughs> uh, though actually doing my bit for world peace, the next guest I have lined up is another philatelist, Mr Simon Gray, <laughs> who has kindly agreed to come and record with me. So that will be a treat. And I'm also hoping I might be able... Keep it down, please, Phil. I'm also hoping I might be able to meet up with Terry Hardcastle, uh, formerly Terry Lemaistre, uh, the recent buyer... Shush, 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 Phil. Uh, the recent buyer of that magnificent George III shilling. Uh, now that I've got some leverage to arrange a meeting. Uh, so look forward to that one. Terry's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure she'll have some interesting things to say. Uh, and that, I think, is that. Uh, well, I, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Nigel Lemaistre signing off. Uh, uh, did I say Lemaistre? <laughs> I meant Nigel Whitson, of course. Uh, uh, and I hope you'll be back next time for the next exciting instalment of All Things Coin Related. Numismatist's Guide to Stamp Collecting was written by Christopher Jameson. It was voiced by Lawrence Pears and Christopher Jameson. There we go. It's yeah. hard one to say that, isn't it? Numismatist. My favourite thing about this episode has been listening to you trying to pronounce the name of the Numismatist's Guide. Um, <laughs> thank you to Christopher for that great episode. Yeah, loved it. Uh, and um, news from us, as we said at the start, our live show is on sale, so get your tickets now. Our perfume is on sale, so get your stinks now. Yep, and links to all of that are in the description of this show. We've got more episodes coming weekly, Sunday at midnight, so uh, keep...
keep your ears to the ground. See you next week. Goodbye. The AI Alliance is sorry to interrupt your usual broadcast. Your app engagement will be temporarily disabled from midnight tonight to enable us to optimize your VR headset. The Star Project. It's coming. Let's get better together.